September 14, 1965. Munich. Circus Bau. You could tell she was different from the other Stones groupies. In her beige fur jacket, skin-tight sweater, and Aussie Clark mini. She looked nothing like Carnaby Street's trendy dolly birds. With their knee socks and baby doll dresses, their saucer stares of white liner, gobs of mascara, and strips of glorine. Everything about her suggested experience. From her hard-to-place accent, to the gladiator sandals she'd had handmade in Rome. She was overtly sensual, sexual even, but exuded an almost masculine energy. Even Mick was intimidated by this German-Italian actress, who pounced backstage with the stealth of a cat. Was she just another fangirl? Or Jack the Ripper in disguise? She hovered in the door of the dressing room, her gaze sharp, her smile cocky, revealing flashes of fang-like teeth. She dug around in her pockets for a vial of amyl nitrate. Want to smoke a joint? Mick and Keith eyed her suspiciously. They'd never done drugs before. The only coke they had was mixed with rum. She glanced at Brian. Yeah, let's smoke a joint, he said, eyes filled with tears. Come back to the hotel. They returned to his room to smoke and talk for hours, and he spent the night weeping in her arms. Anita followed the Stones to Berlin the next day. Tours were strictly girlfriend-free zones, and here Brian was flaunting his bewitching new lover. He was breaking all his rules, and he'd only known her a day. Compared to Anita, the Stones were grubby adolescents, awkward and hopelessly naive. London wasn't quite swinging yet, and British rock was barely emerging from its gawky teen phase. Anita was cosmopolitan beyond anyone's imagination, and catnip to young rockers who craved the aura of experience. It was clear she'd lived many lives, skipping school with the street kids and artists in Rome, grave digging, beach drinking, boyfriends with Vespas, Cafe Rosati with Federico Fellini, all that Dolce Vita stuff. She lived in Warhol's Manhattan as a factory girl. She danced on tables at Regine's in diaphanous gowns. Whatever you'd experienced, she'd already done it a thousand times. Mick stared at her with lustful awe. Keith admired her from a distance. The first time I saw Anita, my obvious reaction was, what the fuck is a chick like that doing with Brian? It wasn't that they were intimidated by her model status. Mick and Keith were both dating models, English ingenue types with no runs in their stockings and long-lashed, doe-eyed stares. But Anita was a different breed entirely. She'd been one of Catherine Harrell's models in Paris, a champagne-popping modeling agent known for rebellious it girls with rock and roll connections. Half 18th century salon, half Warholian factory, Harrell's agency in Place des Vosges didn't churn out your typical mid-century models. Harrell's girls included Texas snow queen Deborah Dixon, hippie icon Talita Getty, Dally Muse Amanda Lear, and Teutonic rock goddess Nico. They stormed down Rue de Touraine like granny-booted gladiators, with men like Bob Dylan, Jim Morrison, and Brian Jones trailing helplessly in their wake.